The opinions expressed on the Custody Queen show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. Hi, I'm Kristen Holstrom. And I'm Sam McBride, and we are the Custody Queens. We have a new show that we couldn't be more excited about. If you're going through a custody battle, fighting for your parental rights, or going through a horrible divorce, nothing is off limits on our new show. Thought it was love, had kids in between, you can count on us with the custody queens, yeah, you can count on us with the custody queens. All right, it's that time again. I'm here with some very special guests. I'm Sam McBride. I'm here with Kristen Holstrom. We're the custody queens and we're in Las Vegas. And we are filming another show in Vegas. That's right. You know, Sin City, what is a better place to talk about divorce than in Sin City? And today we have two very special guests. We have to my left, Dane Holstrom, managing partner of Holstrom Block and Park, and he is Divorce Authority. And we also have to my left, Ed Kanan, who is a premier family law attorney here in Sin City. Ed, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? I have the largest uh, group of most credentials family lawyers in Nevada. We're kind of the top family law firm. Uh, we've got five board for board certified specialists. And the nice part is if there's uh, usually a big case going on, we have an opportunity to have a piece of it. That's awesome. And where are you located? Are you downtown Vegas or? We're out in Summerlin. Okay. And for all of our listeners not super familiar with that's Vegas. The, that's the west side of the valley up against the mountain. That's the best side. That's the best side. Okay. And Ed, what is your website? How can our listeners reach you? Sure. My website is uh, www.kananlawgroup.com. It's K-A-I-N-E-N lawgroup.com. Perfect. And we'll make sure we share that information. So for anyone listening, if you didn't catch that, make sure you go to custodyqueensonair.com and all of that information will be available. And you get to watch us and not just listen to us. And you get to check out Sin City behind us. So thanks for joining us, Ed. We're so excited to have you here. And and Dane, we're excited to have you too. Well, thank you. (laughs) Dane has become a custody queen as well at this point. So I'm sure you've heard him on our past shows and and he will be here for, for many, many months to come. <laughs> yeah, and if anyone is listening and really wants more tips about divorce, the process, the the minutia of the entire dissolution process, check out Divorce Authority. It's on all streaming platforms. Dane does a really good job breaking down financial issues, custody issues, what is best interest, and gets a little bit more in depth than we're able to do on this show. And if you want to reach Dane, you can go to hbplaw.com. You can send an email inquiry and it will get to him or you could just dm samurai and we'll stalk him and get the information to him for you all right so ed now sam you know all family law attorneys we always keep the confidentiality of our clients and we you know that is always the most important issue but as family law attorneys we have some more stories and we love to share this <laughs> so dane do you want to share one goodness sakes um Probably not in public. No, there was there was one that you're well aware of. It was a custody case that I had. It was a strange case in family law. We see it all, guys. And in this case, I was cross-examining the mother. I asked the mother, do they understand your children often mirror your behavior? And the fact of this case was that the mother had had a child with her brother. And I asked her that. And her response back was very profound. She says, he was my half-brother. And that was kind of the end of that. Wow. 
Yeah, and I was actually in the courtroom. Uh, I was either a baby, baby attorney. I think I was because I was going with Dane to you know watch how the process. And I can tell you there were a lot of jaws that hit the floor. Um, wow. And, and to say that we have heard and seen it all, we have. Very but true. That one was still shocking. Now, Ed, being a family law attorney in Sin City, you got to have some stories that our listeners, I mean, spill the tea. All right, I can, I can give you one. I was doing a child support custody or child support and custody case. We had resolved custody already. And it was a case where, ironically, there were some differences between California and Nevada because the child support in Nevada could have been as low as $500 a month. And this was a very high earner. He was earning in the tens of millions of dollars a year. And in California, I think the guideline support in California would have been somewhere around 50,000 a month. So the stakes were pretty high. We convinced the court in Nevada to keep jurisdiction. And it's, like I said, it's a, it's a fairly high profile uh, professional athlete. And we're at the final hearing on the day, and we've got it down where we think our award of child support that he's gonna have to pay is gonna be somewhere in the neighborhood of 500, 1000, $1,500, but he's gonna agree to pay for all the private school and all the medical and everything else. And so we're going in and all we have to do is close this deal. And I tell him not to show up with the entourage. And of course he shows up with the entourage. <laughs> the bodyguards, the, I, the glam squad. I can't go anywhere without my entourage. <laughs> so we're sitting down and we're going over the last minute details of what this hearing's gonna involve. And I notice he's wearing a bright platinum diamond encrusted watch. I mean, it is flashy as all get out. And I said to him, I said, look. You Sounds gotta, nice. It's a beautiful watch. I said, you got to take the watch off. Give it to your guy. He says, no, I'm not taking it off. I earned it. And I was like, no, but you, you know, you can't wear the watch and everything like that. We're going in on child support here, and he's not getting it. I said to him, look, you can't wear a $75,000 watch into a hearing where we're fighting over whether you're going to pay, you know, this much in child support or this much. He gets up, he's practically in my face and he's offended. And this is a tough guy. And, uh, um, what are you so mad at? I said to him, he goes, you insulted my watch. It's not a $75,000 watch. It's a $300,000 watch. <laughs> That's how you know you've made it when you've insulted a watch. You've insulted, <laughs> the watch has its own personality you got and it. can be offended. <laughs> so did he take the watch off? He did take the watch off. And we, we ended up with a $1,000 a month award in addition to agreeing to pay all the actual costs for the child. Comparatively speaking, that sounds like a bargain. That sounds like an absolute bargain. I think that, you know, if you're a high income earner and child support might be on the table, you should probably become a resident of Vegas or Nevada. Okay, so to add on to Ed's story, if you are the high income earner or the person that would be paying support, you may want to talk to Ed and consider a potential relocation before the support order is made. Well, see, ironically, it was really important in that case because my client had residences in both California and Nevada. And for us, because the payor, I'm sorry, the, the person who's gonna be paying support, his residence is who, or what controls the child support determination or what state's gonna control it. In this case, it was really important for Nevada to be in control. So as soon as we got involved in the case prior to the litigation starting, we said to him, don't go back to your house in California. We don't want you to get served in California. We made sure everything was still in place to make Nevada or to be sure that Nevada was his primary residence. And it was for tax purposes and things like that. So as long as we avoided him getting served in California, we're in pretty good shape because the key for us was we wanted to make sure Nevada had jurisdiction on the child support issue. Got it. And that parallels the other issues regarding there can be different jurisdictions for different states 
at one time. And so one state may have jurisdiction over the child custody aspect. One might have jurisdiction, as Ed indicated, for support. And one might have jurisdiction over the marriage or the property in the marriage. And alimony can be in different jurisdictions. Absolutely, I mean, really, yeah. Every one of those, that's the, the the amazing part about family law, as we all know, is you can be, you can have litigation that involves subparts of that litigation in three or four different states, depending on what people's means and location are. Under, under federal law, that's literally called the doctrine of divisible divorce, that you can cut it up into pieces and separate the issues. And so, Dane, how is jurisdiction different with support and custody with respect to who would be, you know, for instance, Ed was saying that the pay or if he was in Nevada, the Nevada would control. That's a little slightly different for custody. Uh, it is different. In fact, we have uh, we have something called the Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction and Enforcement Act, a uh, mouthful, UCCJEA. And it's been adopted, I believe, by all 50 states in almost the entirety of it. There are subsections that are different, but the gist of it is where the child's quote unquote home state is decides where we're going to fight about it. So very often what happens is one parent will leave California and go somewhere else. Maybe it's Nevada. And the, when the parent, when they arrive in Nevada, they will wait their six weeks and then file for divorce and ask for custody orders. Well, that creates a problem for the Nevada lawyer now because he says, wait a second, you've only been here for six weeks. In order for Nevada to become your home state, you have to wait up to six months unless there's emergency jurisdiction. So that creates issues. In the meantime, the parent in California filed and says, I want custody orders in California. Under that scenario, it is quite possible that Nevada might limit it, might litigate the marital status because they acquired jurisdiction in theory. And in California might have to litigate the custody issue. And then the whoever the payor would be determined by which state the payor is in. And the good part about all that is, is the uniform laws that Dane mentioned, is that most states have adopted these uniform jurisdiction laws. So theoretically, all the states are making these jurisdictional determinations on the same basis. So, so if, yeah. if, if there's a custody dispute, the, the law in California is going to be 98% the same as the law in Nevada as far as determining which state's going to be in the driver's seat. And it gets the judges talking. Same thing on child support, same thing with parentage, all of those kind of things. They're generally, you know, operating from the same playbook to determine which state should have it to avoid what we call forum shopping. That was the reason why it was created was because parents would literally plan a move to a more favorable state that had better laws for what they thought their case was and try to move just to get the rules of that state applied. This blocked most of that. There's still some of it, but as Ed pointed out, one of the requirements of this act is that the judges are required to talk to each other, literally have a phone call to talk about the facts and make a decision between them, which state is better suited to resolve it based upon literally the residence of the child and, and the circumstances of how they got there. So maybe your marriage didn't go as planned, or maybe you didn't pick the best partner to have a child with. Or could it just be baby mama drama? Well, no matter what the situation is, we can help. We are the Custody Queens, and you can call us at 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. Ed, I bet you have a lot more cases coming up in Nevada because I can I can say that a lot of California residents are moving out of state. And from what I can see from my social media, Arizona and Nevada are, are two popular states that, that people are moving to. 
Yeah, we see a we see a lot of transplants from California. The biggest advantage for most folks is that there's no state income tax in Nevada. And so when you look at the what is it, nine or ten percent state income tax in California and compare it to if you can take your income in Nevada, it's a huge savings for most people. So we see a lot of transplants both because of that and frankly the cost of living is a whole lot more accessible. So we see a lot of folks from California. Now that's a great question to decide. That gives an unfair advantage to your hockey team and your football team <laughs> to, recruit, to recruit new athletes because they don't have to pay income taxes. I, 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 and, and I can oh, accept that. Sure. I, can li- I, can li- I can live with that. For sure. <laughs> All right. That would be very appealing if I was a professional athlete. <laughs> and, and when we were talking about getting ready for this show, you, you, you shared that you had had some strange, we were talking a little bit about war stories. And I, I think it's important that we hear about one of them where you've had some fairly short marriages in your professional career yeah. there, there's a couple of cases that have gotten some some notoriety uh one involved a 55 hour marriage and one involved wow. an 80 and more recently one involved an 88 hour marriage we call that a long-term marriage yeah, <laughs> that could, that could be. the one that wow. was 55 hours did that have anything to do with hit me baby one more time i i can't say <laughs> All right, Dan, you guys want to get into some of the distinctions between California and Nevada? Well, one of the things that Ed and I were talking about that was really very profound, besides the child support that he just brought up, that I thought was great. And that's, there's a concept in California law that is subject to a lot of litigation, and it's called the, the date of separation. For most people, it's kind of common sense. Somebody moves out, we're legally separated. And so California has, law has a lot of issues particularly around businesses and some other assets that are tied to the actions or the work of one of the spouses. But it also, as Ed pointed out in our discussion, can be very much just circumstance and serendipity. So the ideas of California, if you separate in January of 2020 and you don't get divorced until uh, December of 2022, that gap of time that you're in any assets that you acquired on your own are under California law, your separate property because you earned them after marriage. Ed, how's the law in Nevada? So people talk about separation all the time because we hear about it from California cases. You guys can spend the first, sometimes first year or two of litigation oh, fighting sure. over what is the date of separation. And the key is, is that we both have community property, but the difference is when that community or when the community property, when our property ends and it becomes my property and her property kind of thing. And so in California, it becomes a date that's set in stone. And then you guys can spend your time lollygagging and litter, uh, litigating until you get to a final conclusion. Yeah, we don't lollygag, but thank no you. No lollygag. Okay. All right. <laughs> On the other hand, in Nevada, our law says that community property continues to accrue during the entirety of the marriage until the divorce actually ends which presents some challenges because sometimes it's a moving target. You know, you've got the cases evolving uh, and things are happening while the litigation is going on. So you're not dealing with a fixed point in time in the back. But the key thing or the benefit that I think or the thing I like most about the way we do it rather than California is it prevents uh, the, the misuse of separation 
where somebody gets a little inside information that they're going to get a bonus or they're going to uh, some 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 good news is going to befall them economically and all of a sudden they decide to strategically separate and end the community so they can take the windfall after the community or they're going to stay longer because there's going to be something bad that's going to happen we don't get the ability to do that you know what the example that i often use for for the clients to try to explain the concept of data separation from an asset perspective is this one. I say, hey, if the day before separation, you find a dollar on the sidewalk and you buy a, you go out, go out and buy a winning lottery ticket that wins a million dollars, that's community property, okay? Because the dollar was yours during marriage before separation. But if you find that same dollar the day after you separated, it's separate property. That's the law. Under Nevada law, doesn't matter. Right. You can you can find that you can you can find you can been separated for a couple of years while the litigation is going on and you you buy that lottery ticket on the way to court. You win a million dollars, you're giving up 500,000 of it. So if I say wife is downstairs having a divorce party in the casino because that's, you know, a new thing now and she's celebrating her divorce because the next day she's walking into court with you, Ed, and her judgment's going to be final and she wins the 10 million dollar jackpot bonus you're saying that that is community property that is community property that is absolutely i'll still take the win with the lotto though that that is crazy but i could see how i mean it eliminates a lot of litigating over that date but dane what you were saying because we spend a lot of time as attorneys defining separation Mm -hmm. you know are you living together because the cost of living well, and I've talked about this before and also on my podcast, but there's a case in California called Marriage of Baragri. It's called the Captain's Paradise. And that was a five-year litigation over the date of separation because the doctor was living on his sailboat with his receptionist girlfriend. And and maybe it was a doctor, not a dentist. I don't know. Anyway, the gist of it was wife's attorney says, you know what? Because husband was going over to the house and having dinner there and dropping his laundry off because they didn't have washer and dryer on the sailboat, and she was doing his laundry, the gist of it was they're not separated. So, and it was an it was an equitable argument. And I, I again, love the reasoning of that case that it was well-reasoned and well thought out, but it creates that issue. I too have a case with probably 30, $40 million of assets going on right now that would have settled like that. So Dane, what's California's definition of date of separation? It is a combination of two parts. It is a combination of both a subjective state of mind of either party that the marriage is over. Now that doesn't just mean I moved out and I'm angry. It means that I have made a decision that the marriage is over. To separate now, indefinitely. Now, it's, but it's, well, it's a current state of mind, which means that's the problem with California law. It can change, okay? Because if, what, if sub- what if you go to counseling a month later? Of counseling, makeup sex, dinner, whatever. All of those things can create a change and a movement in the date of separation. That's what makes it a moving target, as Ed was talking about, is that it can change. The combination is not just the state of mind, but also what's called the outward manifestation. What do you do? Did you file for divorce? Did you change your bank accounts? Did you not file taxes jointly? Did you, like Dr. Braggery, did you go to a convention, bring your wife and introduce her as your wife? Okay. The public received her as your wife. Exactly. So it's it's if you're acting like you're a married couple, you may still be a married couple, even if both of you think you're not. So it's very it's a very complicated area of law. 
And it's so complicated that if you have a question about date of separation, either here in Sin City or in California, make sure you reach out to the Custody Queens, Dane Holstrom or Ed Kanan if you are in Nevada, because this is a long thought out analysis and it is fact dependent. And you really want to have a consultation with a qualified attorney. That's exactly right. The Custody Queens and Dane and Ed. So make sure you reach out, set up that consult, plan ahead and uh, make sure you call us at one 800 419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. We know divorce can be difficult and scary when it comes to the custody of your children. I'm Kristen Holstrop. And I'm Sam McBride. And we are the Custody Queens. We are family law attorneys here in Southern California and are committed to compassionate and aggressive representation. With custom case strategies, we can achieve the best outcome for your case. So call us and tell us how the Custody Queens can help you. Call us at 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. I did have one more last question for Ed. So when you're, you know, determining the value of the businesses or the assets, I could see how that would be a little bit different of a process than in California. Yeah, it's a lot more challenging because of the fact that we don't have a fixed point in time. So we usually, usually there's two different uh, valuation folks that are involved. And so normally there's an agreement that will, that they can reach uh, at the closest quarter end or semi-annual end prior to trial. So if we have an October trial, the valuation folks might agree, look, for all purposes, we're going to agree that June 30th is gonna be the valuation date that they'll both use. And if something relevant happens between June 30th and the trial date, then we can use that as an adjustment to valuation. Like a least, lotto ticket. Like a lotto <laughs> or ticket. Or st- stock, I mean, look at the real estate. Well, the the issue, though, that Ed talks about is is really huge because in California, there's that's the Pereira Van Camp we touched upon is if there's a five year separation and the business has either crashed or exploded, that court can say, hey, that's a separate property of the operator spouse and the person who's not operating the business may not benefit from it again. What if the business crashes and burns and it's and the party burned it down? Right. It's and, possible. Right. And, and ironically, we actually use Pereira and Van Camp in Nevada. We okay. use them for the same purposes that California uses. Wow, They're okay. both California cases. Yeah. You know, and people don't know it's the Van Camp. So you like sticks. some things from California. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You here's, need us too. Here's the ironic part. This is and this is no joke. We rely on California a lot where there's similarity in, in the laws. It's just in areas where data separation, for example, is done differently that we go in a separate way. We also didn't have an intermediate appellate court until a few years ago. So we rely on California an awful lot. But to use your example, you know, if you look at Pereira and Van Camp and you choose a valuation methodology, what if the time of the divorce was January of 2020 and all of a sudden you're in a public service business and the divorce is in June? Well, the whole world changed in March of 2020. So now you really, you really have to deal with that. So those numbers are, are moving well, targets. You have to you have to fashion some level of equity in the valuation of a business. And, that and way. they still do under California, basically what they look at. And my example used to be if you if you had a real estate business in 2008, right. you know, when the economy crashed. And now, we, of course, we all use COVID. Mm-hmm. But they look at that and it's whether or not it's rising or falling as the results 
of the efforts of the spouse is what's determinative of the alternate valuation date. Well, not only for the alternate valuation date, but for, for what the future earnings, in other words, when we look at valuation, we're looking at a component of the valuation is not just your book value, but what are your expected future earnings? Yeah. Well, if you're looking at expected future earnings at a, a real estate business in Las Vegas, where development was going gangbusters in 2006 and 2007, and all of a sudden you're dealing with 2008 rolls along, the expectation of somebody in real estate, unless they're doing REO or you know uh, uh, foreclosure sales, really wasn't very promising. So the universe can change dramatically yeah. in terms of future earnings. Yeah, those are the kind of things that make for really challenging cases. And that is when you call and you set up a consult with Ed Kanan in Nevada and the Custody Queens and Holstrom Block and Park in California. And for everyone listening and watching, Pereira and Van Camp are the name of two cases that are help used to determine the value of businesses. And Sam, I just wanted you for our listeners, why don't you clarify a little bit about how California deals with the data separation and assets? Because I don't think we talked so much on California. I know we hit it for Nevada. Well, I mean, Dane was kind of talking about what the definition is of the date of separation. But in California, California is a community property state. And the way that we look at the estate is from the date of marriage all the way to the date of separation. And so that's why we have a lot of litigation associated with the date of separation because the community property state is defined in between that. So if you earn something or you acquire something during marriage prior to the date of separation, with some exceptions, that's going to be considered or characterized, as we say, community property. And the community is the spouses for anyone listening and may not catch on the community. It's for family law attorneys, we always just say the community, but that is the two spouses generally the husband and the wife, but it's two spouses. Yeah, we talk about yours, mine, and ours. Yours and mine are separate property. Ours is community property. Right. Yeah. And that is a source of a lot of divorces because one spouse says what's yours is ours and what's mine is mine. Yeah. Well, and I can tell you at kind of my age group and everyone knows on the show that I'm 40 because we always talk about, you know, the, the evolution of, of my age. But I can tell you that I have a lot of friends that, you know, they have separate bank accounts and that's just the way that a lot of people do it these days. They have a joint account to pay some bills, but both parties have separate accounts, but people don't really understand that that those separate accounts are generally still community property besides, you know, if you have a prenup or that's a whole nother subject. A whole, yeah, a whole nother subject. <laughs> it's a whole nother, day. yeah, it's a whole nother subject. But if you are making money during marriage in California, that money is community money. So if that money goes into a bank account, even if it's a side account, it's still you and your spouse's money. Yeah. And, and I, I have one last question for you, Eggs. We'll have to have you on again because I have so many questions running through my brain right now. But how long is the average divorce take in Nevada? You know, it, it varies. We sometimes we've got to, we don't have a waiting period. We don't have a reconciliation period. So I could file a divorce and have it signed this afternoon if everybody Time agreed out. So on you, everything. Wow. Well, you hang on. You can get it in a marriage that lasts like 48 hours and be out of it in 48 hours. Yeah. In fact, the 55 hour marriage that was 55 hours between between the marriage and when the divorce was signed, if you remember back to, to that particular case where the, the party shall remain nameless. The 88-hour marriage, which was more recently, was really 88 hours between marriage and when the divorce was filed. That is crazy. Wow. But the difference is, is that if everything's agreed, all you have to do is bring the paperwork down to and, the courthouse, file it, and have a judge sign. And I actually 100% 
support that because a lot of times Sam and I will negotiate a full agreement, the disclosures are done, and then you haven't met that six month waiting period. And the reason why for everyone listening, Kristen and I think, and probably everyone, but Kristen and I think that is so amazing is in California, you have a six month cooling off period. So you can't unfortunately call us and say, Sam, Kristen, please divorce us quicker in California. We can't do it. We might resolve the issues as Kristen said, but we still, we can't get you to a status of a single individual sooner than six months. And that's one of the problems that that creates is you get the people that have been separated for five or 10 years and they're with somebody else and they, and they want to get, get married. married. And they'll call you up and say, the wedding's in three months and I need a divorce. Yep. And we say, God, we're sorry. That happens <laughs> yeah. That happens more often than you think. See, there's an irony there is that Nevada, or sorry, California is one of the first states to go uh, no fault. Yes. And it's been around for a long time. And that was really to take away obstacles to divorce. but. California held on to that waiting period, which is really that reconciliation period that people really don't know what they want and we want to foster long-term marriage and avoid the acrimony. And they didn't abandon that. Now I can tell you, one of the solutions that sometimes exists is if your clients make a good faith relocation to Nevada. <laughs> hey, you knew exactly where I was going. Nevada's, Nevada has no waiting period and the period of time it takes to become a bona fide resident of Nevada is only six weeks or 42 days. Wow. Wow. So everybody listening, there's some great, there's some great info there. I, I, I see a side business. You know? <laughs> All right, Sam, you want to wrap us up? All right. It sounds like we are all out of time. Thank you so much, Ed and Dane, for joining us on Custody Queens on Air. Please catch our episodes on YouTube and all forms of streaming media. Please also make sure that you listen every Saturday with Kristen and I at 8.30 a.m. on Go Country 105. And don't forget, you can go to custodyqueensonair.com to see our videos. You can go to custodyqueens.com to DM us, send an inquiry, talk to our intake team. And if you are looking for a consult with Ed and his team, you can go to www.canaanlawgroup.com. And if you don't know how to spell that, check out our social media for all the information on Ed. And it was an absolute pleasure doing this. And we will definitely have a part two in Sin City. That's right. And remember, let love rule. Thought it was love, had kids in between. You can count on us with custody queens. Yeah. You can count on us with custody queens. The opinions expressed on the Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. The persons discussed are fictional and not based on actual clients.